little bit about um, who Jesus Christ is. If we've grown up in the church, we might be able to answer that question very quickly, very readily. We can articulate it. But there are a lot of people in this world who cannot articulate who Jesus Christ is. Or if they can, sometimes their answers are not even close to what the Bible says. If there is over 7.3 billion people living on planet Earth, and 2 or 3 billion, roughly, claim to know Jesus Christ, that's what the, the most census says, then that's like 4 or 5 billion people who don't know Jesus Christ who cannot answer this question, who is Jesus? And so that's what we're going to talk about today as we look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. We're going to be asking the question, which is really the title of the sermon, who is Jesus Christ? And the Apostle Paul is going to tell us very clearly, he's going to say Jesus is our creator, he's our sustainer, and third, he is our great reconciler. And that's exactly what we are going to unpack as we dive into the passage later on. But before we dive in, let's go to the um, Lord in prayer just to receive what he has to say so that we can be filled with the scriptures, so we can give an answer to this question to those who don't know who Jesus is. Let's do that now. Lord Jesus, um, we often take for granted who you are to us, who you are to the world and to so many. You are our hope, the gospel light, and we don't always appreciate that enough. As we dive through your holy scriptures this morning, may you fill us, refresh us. May we have, Lord, even a deeper love for who you are. This question is not elementary, Lord, but it is the most critical question we could possibly ask, and we need an answer. Help us to know your scriptures. Help us to be able to articulate to others who you are so that more people can know you, bring glory and honor to you now and forevermore. Lord Jesus, we love you. And all God's people say, amen, amen. Well, let's, let's take a look at this question. Who is Jesus? Who is this self-proclaimed, uh, this, this divine being who's caused so much controversy through the ages, which he has? who claims to be the great I Am in the New Testament, claiming to be the same God, right, who delivered the Israelites from Egypt from Pharaoh. He's claiming to be this. Some people say he's a great religious teacher, that he's a sage, he's an ethical and moral um, representative, but that he's not divine. Or some say he's only human, not divine, or he's divine, but maybe he really wasn't human. Some people say he was resurrected. Some say he wasn't. Who is this man? Is he a liar? Is he a charlatan? Or is he a madman? Right? Who is this character? And how people answer this question of who Jesus Christ is says a lot about them individually, but it also says a lot about the course of their life now and forevermore. And so this is a vital question we need to answer. And so we're going to look at that. Um, as I was thinking through this question, I wanted to know how the world religions respond to this question. Who do they say Jesus Christ is? And so we're going to take a look at, at a few world religions. But I also wanted to bring this question a little bit closer to home. And so I asked um, a few local Virginians the same question. Who is Jesus? 
and I will tell you their responses. Um, let's take a look at the world religions and see how they answer this question, who is Jesus? In Islam, um, Jesus Christ is known as Isa, and he's one of God's highest ranked and most beloved prophets, specifically sent to guide the children of Israel. The Quran does not describe Jesus as the Son of God, but really he's one of five messengers um, sent by God to guide mankind. And so he's a prophet, but he's not God himself. One of the biggest differences between Christianity and Islam, among many stark differences, is that Jesus Christ in Islam is not God incarnate. And so that kind of thinking is really blasphemous because Allah is transcendent, where we say Jesus, Emmanuel, is very much imminent and present with us. And so that's a huge difference. And obviously they don't recognize the, the beauty of his divinity, right? Humanity and divinity. So there's some stark differences. Judaism, not unlike Islam, also a religion of the book, also believes that Jesus was a, just a teacher. So he wasn't a prophet, but he's just a teacher. He's also a little bit of a, a rabble-rouser, right? Stirring up controversy for the Roman government. And the, a lot of the folks used to try to think that he was just going to cause a political uprising and all these things. And so he is a teacher. He's an ethical man. He's also, though, a blasphemer, speaking out, um, claiming to be the Messiah. But Orthodox Judaism says he's a false Messiah. They don't even grant that he's a prophet. So that's one thing that's even unique, that they don't even grant that at all. And so this is how Judaism responds to that question. Mormonism um, has a little bit more of a confusing take on answering this question of who Jesus is. They give a little bit more credit than Judaism, but listen to the words carefully as I describe to you um, how they think of him. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints claim on their official church website that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, Savior, originally one of the spirit beings that all humans used to be, and that he died for our sins. And so, he is not only here that he's a human being, but he's also one of the spirit beings, and so we don't have this great distinction of him being the creator, but rather being created. And so we're seeing some distinctions already. They say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but not God incarnate himself. And so that's where the distinction between created and creator is really coming from. And so that's a big distinction they're making. Jehovah Witnesses also respond and saying, Jesus Christ is also only a man and that he's created. Now, he's an important man. He, they say he's the Son of God, that he's the Word of God, using even our own language. But they say that he was created by God. He's also the same being as the Archangel Michael. He was created in order to teach about God and to lead us to live uh, right ethical lives. And that's who they say. But he's not God himself. And so that's a problem. And so that's how some of these religions answer the question, who's Jesus? But what about people who live around us? People at the grocery store, people who we work with, people who come and, and serve us and care for us in different ways. How do they respond to this? Well, Ron, the cable guy from Verizon, he said this. 
He said, Jesus Christ is our creator and savior. He is all love. It's like, great response. Thank you. And so I, I, I thanked him for that. Um, Justin, who's a server at a local restaurant, which will not be named, um, he said, Jesus is more of a mystery than a man. I'm, I think we know much less about his life than we actually think. That's his response. And there's Toby. Um, this is a guy who is part of a local band in the area, and he responded saying this. For me, Jesus is no more a God than you or I. There is divinity in all of us. For me, Jesus came to free us from the old laws. Jesus saw God in everything and knew that every man could find his own way to God, to salvation, through principles of love, tolerance, and humility that he himself practiced. And then Brian, who's a host um, at a barbecue restaurant, he said this when I asked him. He said, Jesus was a Jewish man. He spoke Aramaic. That's pretty much all there is to say about it. That's our response. And so as you can see, this is not a given answering the question, who is Jesus Christ? This is not. We think maybe it is, but it's not a given. And so this is something we need to be able to articulate to our friends, neighbors, co-workers, family members, folks who we meet all over the place, family members, right? And we even ourselves need to dig deeper and to understand who Jesus Christ is because we need it just as much as anybody else. We're no different. And so that's why this passage in Colossians is so beautiful, but it's so wonderful because it gives us a simple response to the most important question we could ever ask. Who is this Jesus Christ? And so let's take a look at our scripture here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Colossians 1, verse 15 through 23. The Apostle Paul says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he, Jesus, might be preeminent. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. End of quote. This is an amazing passage that tells us Jesus is so much more than a teacher than a prophet and a created beating. He's infinitely exceeding these things which world religions and people say about him. Because it says he is the creator himself. As we look at verses 15 and 16. This is Jesus 
as the creator. It tells us that he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus in the gospel tells us, he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's claiming to be one with him. He is the visible representation of God. He's a picture of God whom we can't see with our eyes because God is spirit and eternal. But he is God taking on flesh, coming down to be with us. He is Emmanuel present. He is imminent. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, scriptures tell us. But many of us may say, that's all well and good, but what does this firstborn of all creation mean? Because it kind of sounds like the Jehovah Witnesses are on to something that Jesus was created. Well, that's not exactly what this is saying at all. Because if we read into the context and all the other references as Jesus as creator, then we can rightly throw off this idea that Jesus was just created. But it kind of looks like that at first. So what I need us to do is to put on our first century Jewish hats, right, as men and women. And we need to think through the context of what this word firstborn really means. And so we're going to dive into that. Because I think what this word means to us sometimes in the 21st century is a little different than what it would have meant to the original audience whom Paul was writing to. And so firstborn does not mean Jesus was like the firstborn created first. What it means rather is it's a term of supremacy. It's saying that, that Jesus is due all honor and respect that should be given to anybody. He is supreme and his existence. Kent Hughes, who's a, a scholar and a biblical commentator, says, Firstborn is a term for first in rank and honor. And verse 16 helps us even further understand verse 15. Because verse 16 says, For by him, who's Jesus Christ, all things were created, all things were created through him and for him. And so Jesus who is due all honor, who is supreme, who is the most glorious God we could ever worship, says He is the one who made us. And so He's either created or He's the Creator, but He can't be both. Scripture claims the latter, saying that He is the one who created creation itself. Spoke and it existed. That's what your Scriptures are saying. And so when we understand this, we see Christ in all of His glorious being, being the Creator. And that's what we need to see. The Apostle John also tells us the same thing in John 1 verse 3. John says, All things were made through Him, Jesus Christ, and without Jesus Christ was not anything made that was made. So through Jesus speaking, ex nihilo, cosmos, exists. And it is all there. And so Jesus is the creator. And that's how we can respond to people when they ask, who is Jesus? He's the creator of all things. Even me, you, this world, everything. And that's the beauty of this truth. But he's also more than that. Because he's also our sustainer. He's working to make sure all things are working together for a particular end point. Holding all things, reflecting all things for his greater glory. And we see this in verses 17 and 18. Jesus Christ as our sustainer. Verse 17 says, 
And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul's statement that Jesus is before all things means that Jesus' existence precedes the work of creation itself. That he, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, created all things. He's the outside force creating things, but he's also the one holding all things together. He has no origin, but yet he's the one who's keeping things. He's the glue in the world and our lives, the atoms, the cosmos, all things, holding them in his hands, sustaining things now and forevermore. And apart from his continuous activity of interceding for creation, holding us together, sustaining us, all things would tear apart, disintegrate, and would not be the way they are now. There would be chaos. But in the beginning, in Genesis 1, the chaos, there was creation, there was structure, there was form, right, in the void. And that is Jesus at work in amazing ways. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. The Son of God, who is Jesus Christ, He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by the power of His Word. Hebrews 1 verse 3. We even see this. Um, I met some physicists not too long ago, and they were telling me that even among atoms, the whirling protons and electrons, that there's a vast space and there's a void just like there is really in our solar system with all the planets and all the, all the stars and all the things floating around. There's a giant void. But what's holding it all together with this space? We know the answer because Scripture tells us it is our Creator, Jesus Christ, the one who made us, who is sustaining all things, holding all things, holding all creation together for His glory and honor. He cares enough that He not only create us, but that He would care for us even in the immediate times, waiting for His second coming. Which is a beautiful thing. And you really think about it, He's even restrained the world powers from blowing up the world itself, right? The Cold War did not actualize itself. And nukes being sent off. Praise God for that. It even sustains people pushing buttons and twisting keys. That could destroy us. What a beautiful thing that is. He is alive and well, sustaining us even now. And I know this concept of Jesus being a sustainer sometimes can sound ethereal, otherworldly. Like, what is this? But I hope you see that He is, he is the, the visible image of God who is invisible. You see Him moving through Scripture, the 66 books, working all things for His glory and honor as he's overthrowing governments, as he's building up governments in the Old Testament, as he's doing miracles, as he's calming the storms of the seas, raising his own body from the dead. He's moving in people's lives and throughout historical events. Hope you see through Scripture that God is very much sustaining his people, but even the world itself. And that is a theme that goes from the beginning to the very end from Genesis to Revelation. And so we see Jesus as sustainer. And sometimes that's hard to envision, but when you think of him moving behind the scenes in amazing ways, even in just the story and life of Joseph, if you read that in Genesis, you see a beautiful God working, sustaining even his people and the most minute details of their lives, even now. And he does that for us as well. And that is a good thing. 
But we also see Jesus created his church and he sustains his church. He's given us his word. He's given us sacraments. He's given us elders, deacons. He sent his Holy Spirit to be a helper and a comforter for us. We even see he sustains his church and cares for us. Why? So that he might be preeminent in all things. All things in the church and all things in our lives as individuals. Because reality is Christ enjoys having all creation reflect back the radiance and glory of his infinite worth. He chose to enter into creation, created it, yet sustains it. He died, rose victoriously from the grave. To bring glory to his Father, but to also bring peace to us. Bring joy, to bring love, bring life evermore. To kind of bring this idea home of him being creator and sustainer, I'm going to give you an illustration and a story. Um, many years ago, there was a South American company, um, and they purchased a complex um, printing press. We'll just, we'll just say that. And they printed it from a company here in the United States. And the United States company, they shipped it to the South American company. And when the South American company received it, they put it together but because of its complexity, they weren't able to get it working properly. And they were very frustrated, frankly, about that. And so what they did was they got on the phone, they called this U.S. company and said, send somebody to fix this. We've paid a lot of money, and if you want this contract to continue and to be renewed, you'll send somebody to take care of this problem. So what did the U.S. company do? They sent somebody over to actually fix this and to take care of it. But they sent a young man who probably looked green, I don't know how he articulated himself, but maybe he didn't come across as being the, the smartest person. But the South American company, as they are receiving this man, they're a little frustrated saying, why did you send us this? They reply back, send us somebody more seasoned with more experience who knows how to fix this. This is an expensive machine. Send us somebody who's better, who's more worthy to work on this. Your man is too young and inexperienced. And the reply came back from the U.S. company saying this. He created it. He can certainly fix it. And he will certainly keep it running for you. End of quote. Hang up the phone, right? Or in modern times, people would drop the mic. And so they're saying, this is the guy. You don't want anybody else. We sent you the guy. And I think oftentimes, we sometimes respond this way to Jesus. We're just like, he's this great person. He's wonderful, the teacher, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what we don't understand is he is our creator. He's also our sustainer. And we need to value him the way he does, deserves to be valued. But we often treat him with not the kind of respect that he deserves. But we should. We need these reminders. He's the one who works on us, sustains us, and he's the one who cares for us even until he calls us home. Because there is a home for us who love him and call him Lord in Jesus Christ. Because one day, he will reconcile us in such a way that we will be restored fully and this world will too. And we long for that. But in the meantime, he has also died for us on the cross and saves us spiritually from our sin. And that's where we get this beautiful point. Jesus Christ as the great reconciler. Which we have here in verses 19 through 23. The scriptures tell us. For in him Jesus Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile himself all things whether on earth or in heaven. Making peace by the blood of his cross. 
when I read this, the first thing that jumped out to me was the line, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Because is there any wiggle room as to Christ's deity in this verse? There isn't. Paul is saying with, with plain language here that Jesus is fully God, fully divine. That helps us squash heresies which say that Jesus is only human or only divine, but he, he's not both. Or maybe he's something worse. Scriptures say, no, he's both fully man and fully God. He's fully divine here. Important to know. The next verse tells us that through Jesus, all things are reconciled to him. Paul is telling us that Jesus Christ is the great reconciler of all things, which is good news because we need to be reconciled with the brokenness and the sin that's in our own personal hearts, but it's also in the world around us, and so we need this. But I want to pick on a word here that he says. He says, all things are reconciled to him. Does that word all mean that all people throughout all time are reconciled without distinction. Universalists would like to say that this verse proves that there is no hell and there's only heaven and all people go to heaven. Everybody's reconciled because of what Jesus did. But the problem is, as we're going to see, which context is going to clarify, the all is referring to all people who love Jesus Christ and accept Him as their Lord and Savior. And so there's a caveat with that word, all. It doesn't mean all people for all time. It means all people who love Jesus and accept Him. Because those who reject Jesus have no part in Him, says 1 John 1, verse 23. Those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord or Savior, or who cannot answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? They will not be reconciled, Scripture says. And so this all is nicely qualified in verse 23. It's hard, but it's true. And that's why we need to be able to articulate this answer to this most important question. Verse 23 says, If you indeed continue in the faith, staying stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. This qualification reminds us that if we stay true to faith, we love Jesus Christ, find our hope and our salvation in Him until our death. We will be reconciled now and forevermore with our Holy Creator, Sustainer, and Great Reconciler. And the beautiful doctrine that all of this teaching is in, encapsulated in is in the doctrine of called the perseverance of the saints. Which is a beautiful doctrine which says God who created us will sustain us and sustain even our faith through all the peaks and valleys of life until he calls us home to be in his presence. That he will take care of his people. It's a beautiful comfort. That's great news because we need this. Romans 3 tells us of our need for this reconciliation. Paul tells us, for all have sinned, all people, this is that universal all that he's saying, all people have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. He's saying no one is righteous, no, not even one. No one understands no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one person. 
In Romans 8, 20 through 22, he even talks about this futility, even in creation. He says, For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Things are not okay in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, and in the world at large, right? Pick up a newspaper. What just happened in Orlando, right? Even listen to our presidential candidates talk for a little bit amount of time, and you'll see brokenness. And we look at our own lives and see that brokenness is in us too, just as much. And so we need a reconciler. We need the light at the end of the dark tunnel, which we call life, to guide us through this darkness within and all around. And Scripture tells us this light to navigate through the darkness is Jesus Christ and our own lives and the world at large. And that's who we need to tell people about who this Jesus is. And we're going to close with a beautiful quote about who Jesus Christ truly is. He is making peace by the blood of His cross. He, Jesus, was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He, Jesus, was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. And upon Jesus was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with Jesus' wounds, we are healed. By Jesus Christ going to the cross, we are healed. By His wounds, one day the world will be healed. That's a, a day I look forward to, and I hope you do too. And the beautiful truth is, is we need to tell people about who Jesus Christ is while we're still here present. We need to be able to answer this question, who is Jesus Christ, and articulate He's our Creator, He's our Sustainer, and He is our Great Reconciler, because people need to hear that message. Four or five billion people don't know who Jesus is. Don't assume people have an answer. But pray for opportunities to tell people of the beautiful truth of who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are reminded that we are selfish people. We have such great truths in your scriptures, yet we hoard them, we keep them to ourselves, and we don't always tell people about them. We don't find the time, we don't create open spaces to care for people the way we should. But I pray, Lord, you would give us a greater heart to care for people, to articulate who Jesus Christ is. I pray that for my own heart, my own life as well, Lord, that I would be more willing to do that, to take time, because there are a lot of people who need to hear this beautiful message. Give me a heart, Lord. Give us together, this church as well, Lord, a greater heart to answer this question, to tell people about your glory and your majesty as creator, sustainer, and reconciler. We love you and all God's people say, amen.